Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Rachel Coward. Dr. Coward is a psychologist whose extensive computer games-related research has led her to writing her latest book, A Parent's Guide to Video Games, The Essential Guide to Understanding How Video Games Impact Your Child's Physical, Social, and Psychological Well-Being. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. I'm so glad that you I uh, got you away from your video game so that you could <laughs> talk to us because I get email from parents about um, how distracted they think their kids are and wasting their time and blowing off school, et cetera, et cetera, because they are playing games. And I was really interested to um, get your book and to find out that there may be a different take on the whole video game and kid thing. So please uh, tell me how you got interested in studying kids and video games. Yeah. Um, well, as a video gamer myself, uh, video games were always something that were in my everyday lives growing up. And when I started to go to university and started doing therapy during my master's program, I started seeing parents who were coming in saying, video games are a problem. <laughs> yes. Video games are a problem for my children, and you need to tell me if this is something I need to be concerned about. Um, since I played a lot of video games, I was starting to get concerned. <laughs> about that what maybe was it was a problem for you that you yeah, didn't know about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this was back in 2006, 2007, so there wasn't any solid research in the area. There was a little bit about arcade gamers, but nothing really about computer games and modern gaming like we know it today. Um, so after the fourth, fifth, sixth parent who came in, I thought, okay, the research needs to be done and, and I'm interested, so let's do it. I see. So what did you do to go about studying the effects of video games on kids? Yeah, so there was, as I mentioned, nothing really to start from at the time. Um, so when I started my research program at the University of York, I decided to focus on the social impact of gaming. This is because online games were starting to become the hot trend and really seemed to be the biggest source of concern that parents were having. Oh, yeah, um, the stranger danger and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they're saying my children aren't playing with their school friends anymore. They're in their room talking to who knows who, what kind of effect is this having? Yeah. Um, so that's really where I guided my research in the very beginning. The field was open, so to say. So did you go into kids' bedrooms? and? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I started, my original research was with um, college students. College students have a lot of free time. Um, a lot of free time. <laughs> That's where the original concern happens from. If you have a lot of time to spend in these kind of alternative mediated environments, um, the argument being it would have the most opportunity to have an influence on your ability or desire to socialize not in computer games. Um, so I started with them and then worked my way down. So what, what I hear often from parents is it's not so much that the kids are doing something that, that the parents are worried about interacting with um, strangers in, in a way that, that should be um, concerning to parents. It's more that they feel like the kid is so um, sucked into the screen that he or she no longer participates in anything that has to do with the family anymore. Right. And that's where a lot of the concern is still today about addiction and problematic behavior. Um, I think that it's important to make the distinction between 
something that their child is enjoying a lot versus something that's causing a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's not really a problem until it starts to have kind of this global devastating effect on all areas of their life. So it's not just on spring break, they don't want to hang out with the family, they want to play games. It would be in every aspect of their lives, their work, their school, their friends, their physical health, everything is deteriorating because they're playing games. Okay. So this is, this is kind of, I'll play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I hear you saying is, uh, my kid is, um, eating and sleeping well, um, has good friends and does well in school and essentially making healthy choices. Mm-hmm. But when he or she is home, all they want to do is play games. It's right. not a problem for him. It's a problem for me as a parent. <laughs> um, it then is it a problem? Right. Well, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> I mean, that might be a problem as a as a parent because you want to spend time with your child. But in terms of the game, and wait, and you want him to want to spend no, time with you? No, <laughs> I know my my two year old already is doesn't want to spend time with me all the time. She's like, let me play my iPad. Um, so yeah, I mean, in that sense, I understand the frustration, and that's where a lot of the the concern comes when parents come to talk to me, but in terms of it being an addiction or a problem that's negatively affecting your child at that point, it's not. So is it uh, within your realm of expertise to give parents who have just that one slice of life that is a problem for them um, to give them any advice? Uh, try and play games with your child. Ah. It's always the advice I go to. And I know that not every parent is into playing video games and that's fine. But even just sitting in the room with them while they play, you'll be surprised. Not only, especially for teenagers, will they notice that you're making an effort to be interested in what they're interested in. Um, but they might also just open up about everyday things just because you're there showing an interest and spending time with them. That's a great idea. And I certainly remember when my son was 13 and he seemed to be, you know, sucked into the abyss of some <laughs> online game. I think it was yeah. EverQuest or something yeah. at that time. And um, I missed him. You know, I, yeah. I, I missed that interaction and the kind of casual uh, interactions and conversations when we were prepping for dinner or, you know, he was just right. like gone. Um, right. But I love your advice. And, I, and it's actually something that I did because I got to a point where I really wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. And if by coming into his gaming space mm-hmm. and asking him absolutely sincerely, tell me about this. Yes. Exactly. What is this? What is this world about? Uh, why, why are you choosing that choice over there to, to make your next move in the game? Um, right. What is that icon? Um, uh, he was more than happy to explain it to exactly. me. Exactly. See, that's great. Exactly. So that's it working perfectly. Yes. That's good. Great. Okay, so what when when things really are problematic? Yeah, so I outline this a lot in the book about specific things to look for um, in terms of video game addiction being a distinct addiction recognized by the American Psychiatric Association. It's not quite there um, right now. It's listed as something that needs further research. So there are not specific finalized criteria um, that you would say, okay, if they mark all of these boxes, then they have a problem. Um, But in general, it's the same kind of things you would see for a gambling addiction. So if they have to play for longer periods of time every time they play, if they have withdrawal, if they are experiencing negative physical and psychological repercussions over an extended period of time. Now, that being said, 
original reports that we're getting out now about the rates of addiction, if you use these kinds of standards, are very low. It's like 0.2% of the -hmm. amount of people who play. So you really have- That's a lot lower than people who smoke cigarettes for the first time. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Um, So you really have to be mindful of what's maybe like a temporary fixation, like over spring break or over Christmas break and an actual true addiction. Yeah. The other thing I might add to our listening and viewing audiences from my own experience with my son, who is all grown up now, um, (laughs) is that um, 13 is a time of a lot of um, insecurity. Mm -hmm. And then moving into high school, he, his, his social world opened up and he, he made more friends and he had plans. He had things to do on weekends, whereas a middle schooler, he didn't. Right. And, and he naturally became less interested in spending all that time in his room on the screen. Right. Exactly. And that's so time, time is a good factor to keep in mind as well. Don't automatically assume the worst um, just because they had a weekend of, of playing a certain game. So do you suggest that parents put restrictions on how much time tween or teen spends um, playing computer games? I think that there needs to be balance. Um, I certainly, my daughter is two. I certainly don't let her play for an extended period of time. I don't even let her play every day um, just because I want to make sure that there's variety in her life. Variety is the spice of life. Um, So if your child is only playing video games as their only leisure activity, which first of all is probably quite unlikely that they're not also participating in other things. Um, But if that is the case, then yes, I would definitely say restrictions and variety and exposure to other activities and other people and other, other things to do. And I would add to that, expect pushback if there haven't been any restrictions. Oh yes. (laughs) Well, with anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is an addictive nature to screen time, isn't there? It's, it's, really reinforcing, especially with games, it's not only reinforcing with like the rewards and the achievements that you make within the game, which is why games are fun. But and which is why of- they design them that way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but they're also very socially reinforcing now. A lot of games are online. Right. And if you log in every day, you get rewards. Or if you log in and see your friends, you're not only having fun and playing together, but you're being socially reinforced by interacting with them. So it is it is difficult to put restrictions on that. You know, I've just thought of something, Rachel. Um, yeah. For I'm thinking of middle school kids, say, so that they don't have their own set of wheels. And, um, you know, parents can't set up play dates for them anymore. Mm-hmm. And here it's a weekend. And, and maybe, you know, back to the insecurity thing, they're, they're not so apt to pick up the phone and make plans mm-hmm. to go with someone if they're afraid of rejection. Uh-huh. So the idea of logging into an online game where you are instantly welcomed and it's, yes. it's just like being the popular kid if you're not. Yes, you just hit the nail on the head exactly. Exactly. And that is one of the major positive qualities of online gaming. People who may be shy or people who may be live in a very small town in Alaska or people who just may be insecure can log in and have access to millions of people. You play together, you achieve things together, you learn things together, and it can be really exciting. Especially because you're not being judged for the way you look. Or right. the way you talk or anything external about you. Right. And you have also a lot more flexibility in how you present yourself. So yeah. if you 
don't want to do your hair, I did my hair for you today, Annie. But if you didn't want to do my hair for you too, Rachel. (laughs) Um, If you didn't want to do your hair, nobody will know. Nobody will know. No one will know. And if you get a bad haircut, no one's going to mock you. Exactly. So, so I'm thinking, and I've thought about this a lot over the years, that there is a lot of positive stuff in terms of the development of self-confidence in the things that really matter um, Mm -hmm. when kids are in online gaming situations. Yeah, it provides a lot more flexibility than you find in in any other kind of situation. And games specifically, um, more so than other just like chatting online, because you have this shared activity together where you are, you have challenges and you're problem solving and you're overcoming obstacles together. Um, It really reinforces the social learning and the friendship bonds that you form in these spaces. So if you had one big takeaway aside from play games with your kids, um, uh, really, I want to go back to to that major complaint that I hear a lot is that the kid is not participating in family stuff anymore. Um, The one big takeaway tip for parents, if that's the situation, what would it be? Uh, Family game night. Uh, Ah, (laughs) On the computer or on board games? Either way. Either way, if if they enjoy games and gaming, then you can safely assume that they're enjoying the challenges and and the different characteristics that go along with playing games. You know, um, as a game designer, you know all the all the boxes that you hit when you make a good game. Yeah. Um, so try to bring it into the family. They have digital versions of board games if you wanted to play on a console, like games called Family Game Night specifically, or that you can play Starry and Monopoly and things. Or, yeah, board games are making a huge revival now. There's millions of board games to choose from that you could play together. There are also a lot of games that are are based on decks of cards that have nothing to do with, um, you know, the four suits and the regular cards, you know. And and some of them are are quite engaging because they they require you to answer and ask questions of family members and and there are other kinds of games like that. We played a sushi one that my, my son is really into, and my daughter too, into these kinds of games. And often when we have a family get together, they will bring the latest new game with cards and we're all learning together how yeah. to play it. It's fun. See, that is fun. And kids love to see their parents like lose at games. <laughs> so it's great <laughs> for that too. <laughs> you know, your child will be engaged if you're not doing as well as they are. Very, very good. <laughs> okay, we've got about 30 seconds left, Rachel, and I would love for you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to find out where on the web they can learn more about your work. Yes, um, I have a website. It's rcoert, which is my name, .com, and you can learn everything about me and my work there. Great. This has been really interesting, Rachel, and um, I appreciate the work that you're doing. And it sounds like there are many more positives <laughs> than negatives around there. And I love your perspective yeah. on this because parents are very anxious and they don't yes. need to be. It sounds like um, yes. you've got another point of view. Yes, not as much as, as they are, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and when your daughter gets older, I hope you remember that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and their parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. And my latest book for tween girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And please rate us on iTunes. It helps other folks find the show. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Eggplant. 
creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time. My guest will be Dr. Nicole Cushman. Dr. Cushman is the executive director of ANSWER, a national organization based at Rutgers University dedicated to promoting comprehensive sex education throughout the U.S. Until next time, happy parenting. Thank you.